0: Welcome to the Heart of Rescue with NMDR podcast. National Mill Dog Rescue is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to rescue, rehabilitate, and rehome discarded breeding dogs. And we are able to do this because of support from listeners like you. Each episode, we will highlight some of our background, share heartwarming stories about rescue and the lives of the dogs and humans that we've been able to impact. Plus, you can hear from members of our team and the founder of National Mill Dog Rescue, Teresa Strader. We hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Obviously a good and important and interesting question is how did National Mill Dog Rescue get started? And it got started on pure passion, period. You know, seeing the problem uh, with my own eyes and realizing this is a population of dogs most people don't even know exist. And they're a population of dogs perhaps in the most dire need of any dogs, you know, in this country. So they are an extremely vulnerable population of dogs that most people didn't know about back in 2007. Let me let me back up. I've been involved in animal rescue all my life. I, I rescued my first dog when I was in kindergarten. Even in my, uh, in my young years, volunteered in shelters when I was young and just have always had an incredible um, love of dogs and and an incredible concern for their well-being. So I I belong to many little doggy news groups and different things. Uh, And in 2007, a little sighthound doggy news group that I belonged to allowed someone to cross-post a message, which I happened to see. And that message was very simple. Uh, One sentence, 50 Italian Greyhounds in need, and a phone number. And, and that is a breed I have, if, if any of you know Time Greyhounds, they're you know, kind of um, sort of neurotic and little little high-strung, nervous little dogs, but also just the most incredible, loving, sweet, gentle, unbelievable little breed. So I had rescued and placed many over the years. Um, so this, this posting caught my eye, 50 in need. So obviously figured it was probably some sort of you know, breeding operation, but I called the phone number. It was a a sighthound rescue in uh, Ohio, and they had found out that this uh, commercial breeder, Big Puppy Mill, was going out of business. She was auctioning off her entire kennel, 561 dogs, and 49 were Italian greyhounds. So when I spoke to the lady who Uh, who posted that. She told me just that. There's a big dog auction, you know, and it just was like that coming up weekend. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a dog auction at that time. This is 2007. I think most people didn't, but this has always been a big part of the commercial dog breeding industry. The auctions are where breeders get in and out of different breeds, buy and sell breeding stock. Anybody can go to a dog auction, but For the vast majority of time, it's just been a place where breeders do their business of buying and selling dogs and stuff. So so I said, well, you know, I I can help. I could take, you know, one or two of them. I know the breed well. I had no idea what I was getting into with mill dogs. Typically the ones I care for were, were, you know, they might have had medical issues, but they were always very social because that's kind of just the way the breed is. But at any rate, she explained that they had raised some money in kind of the Italian Greyhound lovers world maybe three or four thousand dollars and their goal was to go to this auction and buy every single dog and then figure out you know how to ship them out here and there and get them all taken care of and so forth so I said well you know I'm, I'm happy to help a couple of these dogs if they never find a home they can just stay here with me I understand the breed well but the problem was this rescue group was in Ohio the auction was taking place in Missouri and I live in Colorado so basically how would I get any of the dogs they asked me to take care of. So I realized quickly, I'm gonna just have to go to this dog auction, and, you know, at the end of it, I'll, I'll take whatever couple of dogs they want uh, for me to take, and I'll drive them back home myself. So a couple days later, off I went uh, with my daughter who was 14 at the time, and off we went to Missouri, and that was an interesting trip. We showed up at the auction the next morning, and the auction took place at the mill, where the dogs had resided because there were so many dogs. The auction house houses have their own barn, usually have their own auction barns, and many times the dogs are brought there to be sold, but because there were so many dogs and the lady was going out of business, it took place on her property. So that's how I first got on the inside of a puppy mill. You know, all I can say is I wasn't in the first building 5 seconds and I knew exactly what I was going to do with, you know, the rest of my life. Uh, And that was to give a voice to these dogs that were really truly living in the shadows that people really did not know about, including me. I mean, we'd all heard of Puppy Mills, especially if you were involved in rescue already. But, you know, with the advent of the Internet and all this communication, we could be much more uh, closely in touch with people all around the world and certainly the country. So that brought forth a lot of opportunity for us to learn more about the industry and, and be able to do something for these dogs. So in February 2007 I set out on that trip to go and take, you know, get a couple of these dogs that I could that I could help become healthy and hopefully find homes for. Without getting too deeply into that story, in on that property there were 561 dogs and many of the Italian greyhounds were housed in one specific building. So I went into the first building, and it, it literally took my breath away. One, the smell would take your breath away, but just to see so many dogs living in confines like that, all automatic, the food is fed automatically on the feeder on the front of their kennel. The water, they lick off of uh, what's called a liquid system, which is kind of like a rabbit bottle that runs through the whole kennel. It's you know much automated, not a lot of hands-on, and you know crammed into small cages. In each cage, 30 by 30 by 30 inch cube of wire. For the small breed dogs, there's one, one male and two or three females and they just live in that space and their job is to do nothing but produce puppies for pet stores. In a puppy mill setting, a mother dog is pregnant for two months, she nurses for two months, she rests for two months. She's pregnant for two months, she nurses for two months, she rests for two months. This is what their life is from the time, oftentimes from their first heat, certainly by their second heat, until they can no longer produce anymore. Usually somewhere between five and eight years old, their bodies are completely spent and they just can't produce puppies anymore. Most of them at that time are killed. Of course, none of this did I know back in the day uh, that I went to that auction. So anyway, um, in that first building, all I was really trying to do was to choke back tears because clearly when we're in their world and you're crying or saying something about the dog, that can be frowned upon. You could be asked to leave the property. So one exercise was just an exercise of keeping it together. So we got out the back side of that building and there was a big barn there. And I was just so emotionally rattled and saddened, I took my daughter by the hand. I said, let's go over here for a minute. I gotta gather myself. So we went on the backside of this barn and there was nobody over there. Obviously everybody was in where the action was, where the dogs were. So, I mean, I just sunk to the ground in tears. You know, I felt just an overwhelming sense of sadness for the dogs I had seen, but also even maybe a touch of guilt for not knowing or chasing down how big this problem was and how severe this problem was prior to that day. But really what started to overcome me right there in that moment was the notion that I want to do something about these dogs, I want to give these dogs a voice. People don't know about these dogs, you know. We, we These dogs deserve, like every other dog, to be cared for, you know, to be rescued and cared for and loved and made healthy and whole and become a part of a family. That was running through my blood literally within minutes of being on the property. Then I walked into the second building. And that's where she had most of her Italian Greyhounds, and as I said, a breed that I just have always had an affection for, obviously this life is no good for any dog, any breed of dog, any dog, period. But when it's a breed that you specifically have either shared some of your life with or just have an affinity for, you know, it makes it that much harder to look at them living this way. It's all sad, but when you have a connection like that, it makes it even more difficult. So. You know, I was walking through there, and these poor dogs, I mean, some of them were just so old, blind, missing jaws, and just disasters. And I got to a certain cage, and everybody had a cow tag hanging around their neck, which was their auction number. I got to a certain cage about halfway through that building, and there was a little Italian greyhound plastered in the back of her cage, sitting up on her haunches, just terrified. Just absolutely doing everything possible in her power to get as far away from the action that was going on in the kennel with people going through that were there to attend the auction and she just really caught my eye the tag hanging around from her neck the cow tag was that she was number 251 in the auction uh, I could see how terrified she was she but but most dramatically I could see that there was something very wrong with her face and her she would you know just years of no dental care years of maybe neurotically chewing on wire whatever her, her whole mouth had rotted and over the time her lower jaw just from years of infection and no care just rotted off so she had no lower jaw her tongue was just hanging down there she was plastered in the back corner of the cage and you know in all honesty she took my breath away I will never forget that moment as long as I live And I whispered into her cage and I said, I'm going to take you from this hell and love you to the day you die. Which unfortunately wasn't much longer, just 15 months, but she was the inspiration behind it all. And for me and my family, even today, she she reminds us, you know, she's, she's still our driving force. There's times when a friend of mine made a beautiful tribute video to her after she died, where I go back and just look at that video. It's only like a minute and a half just a bunch of pictures of her and remembering how special she was and remembering what NMDR is about what National Mill Dog Rescue is still about for myself my family and now over 15,000 dogs that we've rescued in honor of her that was a life-changing day for me I wound up coming home with 13 dogs not one or two because that they they got most of them out, most of the Italian greyhounds and a few others. They got them in the auction for a reasonable amount of money, and um, they needed help with as many as they could. So I came home with 13 dogs, drove all night, got back to my house about seven or eight in the morning, and my husband was literally just in the driveway saying, "All right, I'm ready to, I'm ready for this," and. You know at that time we lived on a small piece of five acre piece of land outside of colorado springs we had a couple chicken coops and our kids had their chickens and their little egg business so the chickens had to move to the barn we had to have some of our very handy friends come and help us renovate chicken coops to make little cottages for the dogs um i mean it was just an incredible experience i'm a nurse my husband worked for the post office he's retired You know, we're not people that have uh, extra means to to get something like this off the ground, but we sure had the passion and an incredible desire to bring awareness and a voice to this population of dogs. So off we went, off to the races we went. People often ask me, how did you start an organization like this? It's incredible, blah, blah, blah. The truth is I don't even have a sticky note. I, I truly don't. I don't know how it all really worked. I know that our love of dogs is... I don't know, maybe some people think abnormal. Uh, we just love dogs and feel that they deserve only the best in life, and uh, that that's the core of it. And then the ability to work really, really, really hard for many, many, many years, 13 and counting right at the moment, to put every single thing in your life, to include sometimes your own family and your own dogs, on the back burner to what it takes to keep And grow and and create a mission as we have so it has not been an easy journey on any level but it has been incredibly special and and for not if nothing else you know in our home uh, we feel like we kept our promise to Lily we feel like her her life and suffering was definitely not in vain as difficult as it was to watch her over that period of time so so that's kinda the inspiration that's a very short story of how we got started but what I wanted to tell you in this particular podcast, was to really highlight Lily, what she meant to us, what she means to this organization, even today. uh, If you come here, you'll see little monuments to Lily all over the place, different things, paintings people have made, quilts, um, shadow boxes, you name it, different ways that she's touched people around the whole world, really, enough so that they have, you know, sent stuff here to decorate our kennel and always remember Lily as our founding dog. So what i thought i would do this is difficult and i haven't read this in a really long time so hopefully it will i'll be able to get through it but just to give you a little bit of the passion uh, about lily and and how my family felt about her and what she meant to us and in the bigger picture what she means to all commercial breeding dogs and and she always will 15 months after we rescued her we lost her. We just could not. We had four surgeries on her mouth to try to correct some of the incredible rot that was there. Obviously, all of her teeth had to be removed, but she also had no roof of her mouth. It was just like a little strip of cartilage. It was extremely disturbing. If you put a flashlight up in there, you could actually see the light coming out of her nostrils. Uh, this was a really, really disturbing thing to, to see. We, we worked really hard. To My husband was just incredible created all kinds of different foods, meatball, different ways that he could try to get her nourished and keep her alive, um, which was not easy because there wasn't much of her, of her, one side of her face was mostly gone. So 15 months after we rescued her, we we had to let her go. Obviously that was, you know, an incredibly difficult day for us because one, we loved her so very much, but, uh, you know, what she represented, It, it that day, you know, only built our passion, you know, to say we are never ever going to forget this dog and we're never going to let this suffering and the pain that she endured go in vain. So a couple of nights after she died, Rich and I had gone up to the mountains just because we were, we just needed some breathing space. And when we were up there, I think a night or so after she died, I wrote a letter to her breeder. And I just want to share that with you. It's 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 a little bit long, and, and elements of it are going to be difficult to get through. But this will tell you the passion of the very very early days of Mill Dog and what Lily meant to me and my family and to all the dogs we've rescued since. So here goes, and I'll I'll start with the opening just as I wrote it at, back in 2008. Just want you to to feel what it was to be her guardian and what she inspired in us so this is a letter i wrote to her breeder in uh, 2008
0: stay tuned more of this episode after a very short break if you'd like to sponsor a podcast please email us at mediacontact@nmdr.org at nmdr.org for more information now back to the podcast
1: So the opening to that to the letter I wrote to her breeder um, I'll, I'll read the opening to the letter and then I'll read the letter I wrote to the breeder two days after Lily died my husband and I stricken with grief retreated to the mountains for a couple of days of peace and quiet while there I felt the need to write a letter to Lily's breeder my attempt to share with her Lily's pain and my attempt to let go of some of my own. A couple of days ago I took the letter out and read it. I cried for an hour straight, remembering the sadness, the anger, and the grief we felt when we buried Lily. I feel some strange sort of thanks, some appreciation to this woman, for giving me the dog that inspired me to make things different and do it all in honor of Lily. I've chosen to keep the breeder's full name anonymous. This was at the time because I didn't know how this was gonna go forward, but anyway, I chose to keep the breeder's full name anonymous as I have always maintained that knowing the names truly has no effect on the problem at hand. It also keeps my battle with her private, just between her and me. I share this letter with you to reaffirm what National Mill Dog Rescue is about for me and that despite the many changes and growth we've experienced, the fight will always be about the dogs, and it will always be in honor of Lily. May 15, 2008. Dear Martha. By the way, I'll go ahead and say Martha Reed was her name. Her kennel was called Reedgate Kennels. Uh, and interestingly enough, I guess, um, Martha passed away, I believe, in 2014. Interestingly enough, on Lily's birthday. So... I do know that she read this letter. I never did hear back from her. Dear Martha, It's been 15 months since you and I first met. More than likely you remember very little about me. We met in your world, on your property. Since that day, elements of your world have become a very big part of mine. For that, myself and many like-minded people are thankful to you. In February 2007, I received an email. 50 Italian Greyhounds in need and with the email, a phone number. Having had a lifetime affinity for the breed, I called the number to find out what the story was and how I might be able to help. I'm guessing you may know where this letter is going now. Yes, February 17th, 2007. After 40 years, your kennel would be going out of business. Time to relax and retire after four decades of mistreating dogs. 561 dogs would head to the auction block that day. 49 were Italian Greyhounds. It was without question that I would help, though I must admit I had no idea what I would come to learn through the process. Due to transportation issues, I realized if I were to be of any use to these dogs, I would have to drive out to Missouri myself. So on the 16th of February, my daughter and I headed there. I've been involved in dog rescue essentially my entire life. Fostering and placing homeless dogs, caring for sick and injured dogs, assisting overpopulated shelters and such. I've always known about puppy mills and pet store puppies, and I have never shared my home with anything other than a rescued animal. For the record, I am not an animal rights activist. What I am is a person who believes in the right to humane treatment for all living things. Martha, what I witnessed on your property was far from humane. Hundreds of terrified, ailing faces, imprisoned in wire confines, some staring at me, but most too fearful to look into my eyes, so unsure of how to interpret human contact. That experience has caused me countless sleepless nights, and to this very day, the sadness and the fear in their eyes haunts my very being. I am well aware that you are operating within USDA standards. What a despicable thought that is. I am also aware that in your circles, commercial breeding dogs are considered livestock. Dogs are not livestock, Martha. Thousands of years ago, man domesticated dogs to be our protectors, hunters, herders, guardians, and most of all, our our companions. I came home with 13 of your dogs. Nine Italian greyhounds, two dachshunds, and two papillons. Not a single dog that I had cared for in over 25 years of rescue work came anywhere close to the physical and emotional damage that your dogs had suffered. As it related to rescuing dogs, the next several months would become the education of a lifetime for me. The entire purpose of this letter though is about just one of those dogs. The one who would find her forever home here with my family. Number 251, AKC registered Reed Gates Swift Motion. Oh, the irony of her name, Swift Motion an Italian Greyhound who was never able to to run, caging her for her entire life, stripped her of ever having enough strength in her legs to experience the joy of running, a cruel reality for a breed built to run. In our home, we cut the chain from her neck, replaced it with a soft collar and named her Lily. At the age of seven years and one month, Lily had been set free. Lily was one of several of your dogs that was missing her lower jaw. I wonder how you might explain why so many of your dogs were suffering from this condition. I wonder if you were ever concerned about their pain, or perhaps how they were able to eat enough to stay alive. I wonder how many died in your care from the results of this condition. I wonder if you even noticed. I'm certain you did notice one thing beyond their rotting faces. Their ability to produce puppies. That's what your business is all about, producing puppies at any expense. Lily became a treasure in our home. Despite her many health issues and her extreme fear, in time, with love and care, she found her courage, and when she did, no one was immune to her love. Men, women, and children brought to tears to hear her story and to have the untold pleasure of meeting her. Lily's life was no longer about what she could do for you, but instead, how my family could make it up to her in a warm and and loving home. It was agonizing for us to watch her suffer through four surgeries, to remove mammary tumors, to attempt to repair her decaying face, and to spay her, removing the papery, black, pus-filled organ that was once her uterus. How selfish of you to never see her pain directly because of your gross neglect. Every meal Lily ate was a struggle. We tried so many foods and so many different ways to make it easier for her to eat. But in the end, she had to do it her way, the way she learned at your place, the way she kept herself alive for you. Picking kibbles out of her bowl, a few at a time with her feet, spreading them around the floor, and then rubbing the good side of her face along the floor to catch a kibble on her tongue, extend her neck upwards, and swallow it whole. Think about that, Martha. How would you like to eat just one meal that way? Do you remember sitting in my car when the auction was over? The guys were gathering up the dogs I had quote-unquote won. You said to me, I just love my Italian greyhounds.
0: More of this episode after a very short break. Did you know you can support this podcast with a small monthly contribution for as little as 99 cents a month, your contribution goes towards more episodes, more outreach, and of course, rescuing more dogs. We and the dogs thank you for your support. Now back to the podcast.
1: The thoughts that went through my mind when those words came out of your mouth, you don't love dogs, Martha what you did was spend more than 40 years of your god-given life using dogs for your personal gain no regard to their physical or mental well-being just cashing in on their ability to reproduce think about the thousands of dogs that passed through your hands over these 40 years you robbed every single one of them of the simple joys they so deserve a good meal a warm and comfortable place to rest medical attention and most of all, a human companion to make their lives whole. Lily learned so much in our home about being a family member, being a dog, and being worthy. I will always be bothered that she never learned how to run or how to play, but she learned how to love and to be loved, and for that there are no words. She changed our lives forever. Lily died on May 13, 2008, at the age of eight, about half the life expectancy for an Italian greyhound. Martha, she died as a direct result of the neglect she suffered for seven years in your care. How many others have suffered the same fate? This industry has been hidden for too long. The word is out and the days are numbered. People like you must soon venture out into fields of honest work and leave the care of God's creatures to those of us who truly love them. She will always be, you know, what kicked this off. And, you know, we've saved a lot of dogs in her honor. So I feel like we kept our promise. And, you know, I wish we didn't have to. Lily was, I'm telling you right now, she was, there was something, you know, just she was one of the most incredible dogs. I mean, she was the most incredible dog I've ever known because she was so resilient.
0: This episode is dedicated to Lily, the Italian Greyhound who started National Mill Dog Rescue and keeps us going every single day. Please consider liking and sharing this podcast so that we can help educate the public about the realities of puppy mills and help rescue even more dogs. Visit our website at nmdr.org to see our adoptable dogs and follow us on your favorite social media platform to see what's going on with National Mill Dog Rescue every day. Stay well and thank you for liking and sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Bye for now.